From the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 112. Yes, hello again, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran. I'm the host, and I'm happy you're able to join me right now in this very moment. On this show, we talk about mindfulness and meditation and spirituality. Of course, I mean spirituality beyond religion or within religion or whatever, but not purely religious spirituality, because I realized that a lot of people use the word spirituality when they're talking about their religion, and that's not the focus of this show. This show is beyond religion. This is all about you, because uh, the purpose of this show is for you and I and everyone else to grow spiritually, to learn things, to contemplate higher values, to ruminate over these higher truths and hopefully implement them in our lives. And if you, you know, if you practice what we talk about on this show, it will definitely make a big difference in your life. So we release a new episode every Friday morning, very early. So for you folks who like to get up at 6 a.m. and meditate, or 5 a.m. or whatever, uh, when you're done with your meditation, you can flip on The Mystic Show. And you can hear us as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And, of course, you can listen on our website, themysticshow.net. Themysticshow.net. And if you haven't gotten on our email list, it's a little behind-the-scenes emails directly from me with some nice little behind-the-scenes tidbits of the show. Just You can find it on the website. And we like to also thank our sponsor and also our kind of our sister organization, Pause Your Life. Pause Your Life. Um, you want to escape the craziness? Hit the pause button. And the web you can find out more on the website, pauseyourlife.org. Pauseyourlife.org. And the plan for today's episode is... Goodness. <laughs> no, the plan for today is uh, we're going to actually read the last section, uh, the last part of the, the James Allen section that we're reading from. Uh, the section is called The Two Masters, Self and Truth. And uh, this is the part three of that section. And this, this, this last part is really good. Uh, but before that, I wanted to quickly get into... A little something called Atma. A T M A. Atma. And it's it's mentioned quite often in, in Eastern uh, spirituality or Eastern religions as well. Um, and I've where did I hear of Atma? 
well, just practicing spirituality from my spiritual guide, from books, and, um, and also from this wonderful version of the Bhagavad Gita. So when I start to, you know, when I meet people in person and we start talking about spirituality and such things, it, it, I always like to know, or sometimes I like to know if they've read the Bhagavad Gita, because it is a very highly spiritual text. And again, not in a religious sense. This is in a pure spiritual sense. You, your soul, your existence, um, nothing to do with anyone else type thing. Uh, so I've read a few different translations of the Bhagavad Gita because it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how old the Bhagavad Gita is. It's got to be maybe 5,000 years old or more. Could be a lot older than that. We don't, I don't know if we know. So a lot of people have translated this book, this text, and each translation is very different. And I've read about uh, maybe four or five different translations and at least three of them I think three of them I did not like really at all um, just the way they translated it the phrasing and the way it was I, it didn't resonate with me but there were two versions that I really liked and one um, one I can mention later one I actually might um, mention in the behind the scenes emails but the one I'm going to talk about today in this episode is called The Bhagavad Gita, A Walkthrough for Westerners, written by Jack Hawley. And I may have mentioned this version on the show before, but it's a really nice version of the Bhagavad Gita. And it's not just a direct translation either. Um, This man, Jack Hawley, who spends a lot of time in India and studying spirituality, he, he took, I think, seven or eight years very meticulously translating the Gita and, and, you know, explaining it a little bit too. Uh, and it's, it's a very good read. Um, I'll post the, the link in the show notes if you want to click through and look at the book. But I wanted to read a very small section and then I wanted to talk about it because it has to do with the Atma. And the Atma is, uh, well, you know what? Let me read this, because he describes what it is, and you can hear it directly from him. So this is a very brief reading, and then I'm going to talk about it. Again, it's from the Bhagavad Gita, A Walkthrough for Westerners by Jack Hawley. And this is starting in the, somewhere in the middle of chapter two. There has never been a time, oh, you know what? I'm sorry, I need to just explain that. In the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna and Arjuna are having a conversation. And Lord Krishna is, of course, Lord Krishna, and Arjuna is a warrior, and he's about to go to war. And that's what the whole Bhagavad Gita is about. So, anyhow, that might help understand a tiny bit, but you'll understand it anyway. Okay, here we go. There has never been a time when I or you or any of these kings and soldiers here did not exist. And there will never be a time when we cease to exist. 
physical bodies appear and disappear, but not the Atma, the soul, the life force that lives within them. The life force comes and dwells in a body for a while. While therein, it experiences infancy, childhood, youth, and old age, and then, upon death, passes eventually to a new body. Changes such as death pertain to the body, not the Atma. The wise person does not get caught up in the delusion that he or she is this body, Arjuna. This delusion is the very definition of ego. Arjuna, the contact of bodily senses with objects and attractions in the world creates feelings like sorrow or happiness and sensations like heat or cold. But these are impermanent, transitory, coming and going like passing clouds. Just endure them patiently and bravely. Learn to be unaffected by them. The serene person, unaffected by these worldly feelings and sensations, is the same in pain and pleasure and does not allow himself or herself to get disturbed or sidetracked. This is the person fit for immortality. Realize this and assert your strength, Arjuna. Do not identify your true self merely with your mortal body. Real, as used in spirituality, means that which is eternal, never changing, indestructible. This is the very definition of reality. That which is real never ceases to be. Anything that is impermanent, even if it lasts a very long time and seems durable, eventually changes and thus does not have true reality. The wise ones understand the difference between the real and the not real. When you fully understand this profound fact, you will have attained the zenith of all knowledge. One's body, according to this logic, is not real. And yet there is something that dwells within the body that is real, the Atma, which is existence itself, awareness, pure consciousness. Get to know this reality. It pervades the entire cosmos and is unchanging and indestructible. No power can affect it. No one can change the changeless. This Atma, Arjuna, is like space or sky. Clouds appear in the sky, but their presence does not cause the sky to grow apart to make room for them. In the same manner, the Atma, the true self within, remains ever itself. Things of the material universe come and go, appear and disappear, but the Atma never changes. So that's a short reading from this version of the Bhagavad Gita. And so he talks about what the Atma is, right? 
Lord Krishna is telling Arjuna what the Atma is. And, you know, in everyday life, it seems, especially if you turn on the television at all, it seems that everybody wants their body to live forever. You know, everybody wants to be youthful and energetic and beautiful forever, right? These Some, some of these actors and actresses, they're like 75 years old and they look like they're 50 because they've had so many surgeries and such things to look young and, and you know, youthful and beautiful. You know, and, and so there's sort of this desire for immortality, but, you know, and the desire for immortality is actually a good thing. However, it's not achievable in the material plane, the material world, but it is the case uh, in a spiritual sense, spiritual immortality. You know, that's why I always feel that in spirituality, there's these higher truths and and we're going to, you know, James Allen is going to talk about it a little bit later. There's these higher truths and, you know, these universal truths, not even truth, just reality there's a reality that we can't quite understand with our mind and, you know, from a material world standpoint. That's why we have to meditate and make our characters what they should be so we can realize this higher reality. And then because in that higher reality is the immortality. That's where we're going to live forever. We're not going to live forever on planet earth, but we will live forever in the spiritual plane. So aren't you curious of what that is? Aren't you curious where you're going to exist for the next bazillion years? Or are we just worried about my paycheck on Friday and paying my bills and, and, uh, eating my ice cream? <laughs> I use ice cream because <laughs> that's my, uh, I guess that's my thing sometimes when I'm allowed. So that's why meditation is important because through meditation and other spiritual practices, you can realize these truths and then we can stop running after physical immortality and, and start learning about the the real immortality. And it, you know, that... So the Atma is like the soul or the life force that's inside of us. We all have a body and there's something inside our body that animates our body that gives it life. And that source is the Atma, which is our soul, or you could think of it as a spark of divinity, I guess. And the Atma or soul comes into a body and lives a life the life that you're living. And that brings up a good point about the difference between life and existence. What's the difference between life and existence? Well, existence is the Atma, right? It exists forever, for eternity, whatever that means, because we can't really understand what that means with our mind. (laughs) Our mind can't comprehend eternity. There has to be a beginning and an end, no? (laughs) So the Atma exists, but when the Atma gets 
encapsulated in a human body, as, as is the case with you right now, that's life. So life has a birth and life has death, but the Atma is pure existence. So, and it, it, I was looking at Jack Hawley's website. He's the author of this book. And by the way, I contacted him to invite him onto this show so I can interview him. And I'm, I'm hoping to hear back from him. But he has a really nice quote on his website about the Gita. And this, let me just read this. It's from Jack Hawley. I love the Gita's basic goodness and how it pushes me beyond merely trying to be a good person toward becoming my own divinity within. And I like that because he distinguishes between merely trying to be a good person versus becoming my own divinity within. So that can be another that can be one of those traps in spirituality where you know someone might think ooh i just have to be a good person and that's spirituality and that has very little to do with spirituality right because you can be a nice person but but not become divine within anyway that's uh that's the when we set our purpose of a spiritual practice that's when that's important so we'll just take a quick break here. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to The Mystic Show. Thanks for uh, that musical interlude. Um, The band is called Dawn of Midi, and it's from the Dysnomia album from 2013, Dawn of Midi. That's that album where they, they all play acoustic instruments, and they all play them live, but they play it like repetitive and these odd time signatures. And so it sounds like computer generated music, but it's actually real people playing it. It's very cool. Dawn of MIDI. So, so thanks to them for the musical interlude. And uh, I'm happy you can be listening to the mystic show right now. And if you'd like to consider supporting the mystic show, so more people can benefit, there are several ways you can do that. The first one is to share each episode on your social media like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, The second way is to give our show a rating and a review in iTunes or Stitcher. You know, you can rate us, you can review us. And the third way is to contribute a dollar or two or three per episode. And this will help us continue to produce the show. So if you go to the website, themysticshow.net, and on the right side of the website, you'll see an image that says, please consider 
supporting the Mystic Show, and that's where you can do that. So I'm happy we talked about the Atma. I am energized personally when we talk about the Atma because that sort of gets to the real core of spirituality. And like Jack Holy said, it goes beyond just merely trying to be a good person, which is obviously a good thing to do, but it's just the tip of the iceberg of spirituality. So let's get into the last section of our James Allen book here. It's actually the last section of this little section. Uh, We're reading from the book From Poverty to Power, which was published in 1901. And the section is called The Two Masters, Self and Truth. And this is the third part of this section. So um, in previous episodes, we've read the previous parts. So so let's get right into it. This is really good, and I just want to encourage you. If you're driving or walking or jogging or something or working out, obviously just keep doing that. But if you're at home or if you're somewhere where you can, where you're listening and you can just close your eyes and just relax and listen, um, that is the best way to hear this. Um, So go ahead, get comfortable and, and let's start reading this section. As you succeed in overcoming self, you will begin to see things in their right relations. He who is swayed by any passions, prejudice, like or dislike, adjusts everything to that particular bias and sees only his own delusions. He who is absolutely free from all passion, prejudice, preference, and partiality sees himself as he is, sees others as they are, sees all things in their proper proportions and right relations. Having nothing to attack, nothing to defend, nothing to conceal, and no interest to guard, he is at peace. He has realized the profound simplicity of truth, For this unbiased, tranquil, blessed state of mind and heart is the state of truth. He who attains to it dwells with the angels and sits at the footstool of the Supreme. Knowing the great law, knowing the origin of sorrow, knowing the secret of suffering, Knowing the way of emancipation in truth, how can such a one engage in strife or condemnation? For though he knows that the blind, self-seeking world, surrounded with the clouds of its own illusions and enveloped in the darkness of error and self, cannot perceive the steadfast light of truth and is utterly incapable of comprehending the profound simplicity of the heart that has died or is dying to self. Yet he also knows that when the suffering ages have piled up mountains of sorrow, the crushed and burdened soul of the world will fly to its final refuge 
and that when the ages are completed, every prodigal will come back to the fold of truth. And so he dwells in good will toward all, and regards all with that tender compassion which a father bestows upon his wayward children. Men cannot understand truth because they cling to self, because they believe in and love self, because they believe self to be the only reality, whereas it is the one delusion. When you cease to believe in and love self, you will desert it and will fly to truth and will find the eternal reality. When men are intoxicated with the wines of luxury and pleasure and vanity, the thirst of life grows and deepens within them, and they delude themselves with dreams of fleshly immortality. But when they come to reap the harvest of their own sowing, and pain and sorrow supervene. Then, crushed and humiliated, relinquishing self and all the intoxications of self, they come, with aching hearts, to the one immortality, the immortality that destroys all delusions, the spiritual immortality in truth. Men pass from evil to good, from self to truth, through the dark gate of sorrow. For sorrow and self are inseparable. Only in the peace and bliss of truth is all sorrow vanquished. If you suffer disappointment because your cherished plans have been thwarted, or because someone has not come up to your anticipations, it is because you are clinging to self. If you suffer remorse for your conduct, it is because you have given way to self. If you are overwhelmed with chagrin and regret because of the attitude of someone else toward you, it is because you have been cherishing self. If you are wounded on account of what has been done to you or said of you, it is because you are walking in the painful way of self. All suffering is of self. All suffering ends in truth. When you have entered into and realized truth, you will no longer suffer disappointment, remorse, and regret, and sorrow will flee from you. Self is the only prison that can ever bind the soul. Truth is the only angel that can bid the gates unroll. And when he comes to call thee, arise and follow fast. His way may lie through darkness, but it leads to light at last. The woe of the world is of its own making. Sorrow 
purifies and deepens the soul. And the extremity of sorrow is the prelude to truth. Have you suffered much? Have you sorrowed deeply? Have you pondered seriously upon the problem of life? If so, you are prepared to wage war against self and to become a disciple of truth. The intellectuals who do not see the necessity for giving up self frame endless theories about the universe and call them truth. But do thou pursue that direct line of conduct which is the practice of righteousness? And thou wilt realize the truth which has no place in theory and which never changes. Cultivate your heart. Water it continually with unselfish love and deep-felt pity and strive to shut out from it all thoughts and feelings which are not in accordance with love. Return good for evil, love for hatred, gentleness for ill-treatment, and remain silent when attacked. So shall you transmute all your selfish desires into the pure gold of love and self will disappear in truth. So will you walk blamelessly amongst men, yoked with the easy yoke of lowliness, and clothed with the divine garment of humility. And we'll just take another quick break. Welcome back to the Mystic Show. I had to run and get some water, actually. And that was quite a reading from the James Allen piece, a great way to end. There's a few points that he mentioned that I'd like to talk about. One was at the very end that he says, the intellectuals who do not see the necessity for giving up self frame endless theories about the universe and call them truth. And this is so rampant in America and the West and the world, right? The whole world. We're all, a lot of, a lot of us use our intellect to frame these theories, right? But it's really not, it's, it's just an intellectual theory and we're not living it. Right, living 
living these higher spiritual principles is spirituality. Again, it's theory versus putting it into practice. And of course, putting it into practice is the, the only way we can experience it and, and know it, right? Like you can't understand higher spiritual realms if you never meditate. You just can't. It's not possible. And he also lists, as I was reading this, I was thinking, you know, I should provide some real world examples of how people suffer and whatnot. And then literally the next paragraph I read, he he outlines all this stuff. He says, if you suffer from disappointment because your cherished plans have been thwarted, if you suffer remorse for your conduct, if you are overwhelmed with chagrin and regret because the attitude of someone else toward you, if you are wounded on account of what has been done to you or said of you, and he, he says all these sufferings are because of self, which of course is ego, the lower self with the small s. And he also says, when men are intoxicated with the wines of luxury and pleasure, they delude themselves with dreams of fleshly immortality. But when they come to reap the harvest of their, of their own sowing and pain and sorrow supervene, then crushed and humiliated, relinquishing self, they come to the one immortality. So, when we're overcome by sorrow, right? When our when our pain and sorrow become too much, that's when we gravitate towards spirituality and truth. That just seems to be how the the world works. And he even mentions later, and this like I wish they would read this in the news or post this in the news. He says, the woe of the world is of its own making. Sorrow purifies and deepens the soul, and the extremity of sorrow is the prelude to truth. So, I, I mean, I hope, in a way, that that's what's going on in the world right now, that we're reaching the extremity of sorrow, because a lot of people do feel that this is a prelude to some truth or some higher spiritual vibration or spiritual world, right? So hopefully all the craziness that's going on, hopefully this is the extreme and then we can start to swing the other way towards a divine way of living, right? Well, and let's hope for the best, but as as you know, you and I can only do one thing for ourselves and that is to to practice spirituality and do meditation for ourselves right that's the only way and and the last point and this is i i like this because he's talking about you know he who is swayed by any passions prejudice like or dislike adjusts everything to that particular bias and sees only his own delusions Right? And that, isn't that what the ego does? The ego has likes and dislikes and, you know, um, passions and prejudices. And I don't like those 
kinds of things and, you know, these things are always good, those are always bad and various passions and stuff. And and I got this idea that I think we are literally consumed by our passions and prejudices, our likes and dislikes, because they feed the ego and the ego clouds our true self. So that's why he says, he who is absolutely free from all passion, prejudice, and preference sees himself as he is, sees others as they are, sees all things in their proper proportions and right relations. So in a sense, when we get all caught up in the ego with our own passions and likes and dislikes, we don't see things clearly. We, we don't see things for what they are. And that's why, and I, lo- I love this line, having nothing to attack, nothing to defend, nothing to conceal, and no interest to guard, he is at peace. So that peace, the, the worldly peace comes when we're free from these likes and dislikes and desires of our ego, and we can just truly be at peace. We have nothing to attack, nothing to defend, nothing to conceal. And I realize this is a very high spiritual outlook, which, you know, I can already hear some of you saying, well, yeah, but that's not practical. How do I implement it in my life? And, well, why don't you, (laughs) what would you say if someone asked you that question? I think maybe all we can do is just practice our own spirituality, meditation, do what we're supposed to do to grow spiritually, and then these truths will open up to us, right? When we, when we diminish the ego, we will be able to see the truth more clearly. So that's why it is said that the truth is already within you. You just have to find it. Well, the way to find it is to clean off all the junk that we've piled on top of it which is our ego, right? Our desires and our ego. So so this has been a wonderful show. I thank you for listening. Uh, the website is themysticshow.net. Definitely comment on this post if you have questions or comments. And, um, of course, sign up for the behind-the-scenes email list if you'd like to. It's a weekly email. So as you move through your day, as you move through your evening, whatever time it is in the, in the world where you're listening to this right now, I hope you can keep these higher values in mind and, and maybe write some notes down in your journal. And as always, keep shining.